0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Just one more time, turn our attention to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us and that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, that your voice is power, your word is power. It transforms atmospheres. It transforms situations. Thank you, Lord, that when you are in the midst, things change. Things change, Lord my God. We invite you today to come. Come as you are with transforming power and reveal to us who you are. In Jesus' name, reveal to us who you are. Lord, bless this church, this expression of the kingdom of God on the earth. In central Florida, pour out your spirit, Lord my God, just as you promised that in the last days you would pour out your spirit in significant and deep and powerful ways, Lord, pour out your spirit and mark this body of believers with the beauty of Jesus, with the fire of the Lord, with purity, with love, reveal your beauty in the midst of these people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful to be here with everybody again. I think the last time was summer. Was it summer or no? That was it last year. Okay. Last year, August. Last year, August. Okay. Time flies. <laughs> time flies. Uh, it's it's an honor to be here with you guys. It's an honor to to have known now Mike and Anna, like like he mentioned, for I, th- I believe it's over a decade. Um, I owe it. To Mike, to to both my uh, he got he invi- he introduced me to CrossFit, so I got healthier as as a result of Mike, and I got a lot more injured. <laughs> I got all kinds of injuries. It's a, it's a joke, <laughs> it's half halfway a joke, but uh. <laughs> One of one of the things that I've always looked forward to coming here to Florida is tomorrow morning. Hopefully, we get in that workout. How many of you guys are going to wake up at five thirty tomorrow morning? To join us. Any any hands? Okay. But but in all seriousness, you know, just in praying for this week and even what uh, today, what we're celebrating. Uh, celebrating seven years of of from the day of the meeting when, when Gladstone spoke and he, those, those powerful things that he laid down and I really believe was speaking into the very DNA of this house. And, and I was, as I was praying even the last several days for what to share on today, uh, we'll look through several scriptures, it's, but, but the one thing that stuck out was how many of you guys have heard of the Moravians in church history? How many of you guys, let me ask this, how many of you guys have not heard of the Moravians in church history? Did everybody hear the Moravians? Okay, a couple of people haven't heard the Moravians. You haven't heard of them? Okay, you have. <laughs> so if you haven't, I encourage you guys to look them up. But in essence, it was a, a real powerful move of God in in the Austria Germany type area, and uh, it was during a time of, of real crisis. It was it was during a time of real crisis in the natural when we face hardships and crisis, whether on a personal level or on a national historic level, natural tendency would say we should try to run and try to preserve what we have, try to save our lives because there's pressure coming from different directions. History would say that those that walk with Jesus recognize that these are the contexts and the settings through and in which God pours out his spirit powerfully. The Lord seeks to find situations that in the natural look impossible to reveal Himself in great ways. Moravians were unique for, for different reasons. One of the reasons is that they were primarily made up of refugees and disenfranchised people during a very difficult time in history who were allowed to live on a piece of property where there was a baron named Nicholas von Zinsendorf, interesting name. But it's normal where he comes the part of the world he comes from. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but, but nonetheless, he was, he was a, a, a young man who feared the Lord. And he invited them in and they began to seek the Lord. Hundreds of years later, they're known for, for different reasons. Some church historians will say that they were the most powerful expression of New Testament Christianity that we've seen since the first century. It was a group that was not defined by large numbers. There were not actually many. I think even at their largest, the entire community was maybe a couple thousand. And I say community because that's one of the things that they were known for. They weren't just a church that gathered weekly, but they were a people that lived as a spiritual family on in this particular area um, and upon this property that, that, that was owned by Zinzendorf. And so they were known for an expression of New Testament Christianity in that they really lived as family together. They were also known as a people of prayer. Some of you guys might have heard of the 100-year prayer meeting. For a 100 years, give or take a few, I'm not sure exactly. For a 100 years, they had non-stop prayer. 100 years. And, of course, the, what they would do is it wasn't always in the same place. Sometimes it was in people's homes like a prayer chain. But the idea was that there was always at least a handful, at least a handful of people, any watch of the day or the night, waiting on Jesus, worshiping Jesus corporately, not just individually, and asking him to establish his kingdom in the earth. Another reason they were known is, is, is for their, for, for missions, Although there were not that many in number, the the impact that they made in sending out people to the nations was great. Some of you guys might have heard of John Wesley. John Wesley got born again when he was coming back from a missionary trip as an Anglican non-born-again Christian. You guys know that there are non-born-again ordained ministers I hope everybody knows that. There are non-born-again pastors in pulpits. It's a, it's a thing. And so he's coming back from a missionary endeavor, and he's on a ship, and a, a mighty storm hits the sea. He's going back to England. And when the, when, when, when the storm hits the boat, the boat is, you know, shaking like crazy. It's, it, you know, it's a potential loss of life. And fear grips his heart. And the reason it grips his heart is because he's afraid to die. <laughs> he's afraid to die. And everything connected to dying, is so you actually have to go face the Lord. And he sees this group of people, these group, this group of Moravians, with, with uh, joy and with serenity and with peace, singing songs of thanksgiving to the Lord. Everybody's freaking out, including Wesley and he goes up to them he's like what's wrong who are you guys and what's wrong with you guys they begin to testify to them to him concerning the Jesus who saved them and he feels come upon him a presence and a peace he's never felt before he gets born again born again and we all know what happens afterwards with john wesley that's cuz of the moravians another story with the moravians They were so moved by passionate love for Jesus as a result of of, of walking with him, knowing him, living together within the setting of a spiritual family, having nothing that they claimed as their own but their Lord, and seeking his face and loving him in everyday life. Listen, there was maybe a handful, maybe, of what we would call ordained ministers or five-fold ministers in their midst, but they saw themselves corporately as a priesthood. We are a kingdom of priests to the Lord. That's what John says in Revelation chapter 1. He has redeemed by his blood and made us, redeemed us by his blood and made us into a kingdom of priests. And because they saw themselves as what they in fact were, what they were defined as by the blood of Jesus, they lived in light of that. And so there was this burning zeal not not anchored in i just want to i want to make an impact for jesus but anchored in i want to love him and be loyal to him according to his word all of my days they didn't seek to be known as the community people but yet were are learned 200 something years later people are studying their community they didn't seek to be known as the prayer people but yet hundreds of years later Churches around the world are studying the prayer movement that lasted over 100 years in the midst of insignificant, unknown ones. They didn't seek to be known as the missional ones, but yet missions organizations around the world are studying the missionary movement that was birthed out of the Moravian community, where some of the stories, they, they sing to the tune of, young men that were engaged to be married in the community and they're and and they're they're gathered regularly loving one another everything they do they do as unto him how many of you heard of brother lawrence practicing the presence of god god is in the midst of the pots and the pans everything is beautiful worship unto unto him And the Lord speaks when they're ministering to him as a people and as a family. And he says, set apart for me these. And young men engaged to be married are sent out to go minister amongst plantations of slaves in unreached and uncharted territories and islands. Where in order to even get there, because they're white men from Europe... They have to, in this time in history, they have to sell themselves into slavery. And their families and their fiancés are weeping for them on the shores as they're about to get onto the boat and head over there. And they, the, the, the famous quote goes, may the, do not weep for us, may the Lamb of God receive. May he receive the reward for us, the, revo- the reward of his sacrifices. I say all that to say, if you guys have not studied the Moravians, I encourage you to. There's a lot of material out there on the Moravians to, to have your heart stirred. But not just because we want to know church history, but I believe in many ways because it's, some of the, it's, it's, it's similar type of spiritual DNA that God is inviting us into. Inviting you into. In fact, this is New Testament Christianity. It's not something that's meant to be relegated or unique to only one time in history it's something that we're going to see and in it's we're going to see an increase of of new testament kingdom christianity in a way in these last days than we ever have and so first corinthians chapter one verse 26 it's actually something what i really felt to share on today it's a little bit different, but it's going to make sense at the end. So bear with me. Verse 26, consider your calling, brethren. 1 Corinthians one twenty-six. Paul is speaking to the, to the believers in the Corinthian church. Consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many of you wise according to the flesh or according to your... The the, the setting within society into which you were born. The context in society. Not many were mighty. Not many were noble. But in fact, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. The base things of the world. The despised God has chosen the things that are not. God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. Sometimes we have this, who, who, who likes cheesy Christian t-shirts? It's okay if you do. I, I don't care for them. But if you do, it's okay. One of them that I've seen is like uh, Jesus, has anybody ever seen the one, Jesus arm wrestling the devil? <laughs> no, Nobody's ever seen that? Okay. <laughs> well, there's one where Jesus is arm wrestling the devil. And then like it's, it's the Lord and he looks like he's been going to Gold's Gym for years. And he's about to get him. And sometimes, as believers, we have this perspective that the way Jesus is going to conquer the world when he returns is by him trying with all of his might and the devil trying with all of his might, but he just gets the edge. It's not even a competition if that was it. Jesus returns and destroys the Antichrist with the breath of of his mouth, which means before the word is even vocally heard, the breath slays him. It's, it's, it's God will destroy the devil and his kingdom through a people in whom he lives. God chooses the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before God. But by his own doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, redemption. Just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Paul is saying, the Lord chooses the canvas of the nobodies, of the disenfranchised, of the marginalized, to reveal the fullness of the beauty of Jesus. That's the canvas. He will pass up others to find those that identify with, we are the ones that are not mighty or noble or wise according to the flesh. It's to those that God has revealed Christ as all in all. It's it's in and through those that God reveals himself as all in all. In fact, if you study revival history, if you study moves of God from the first century to present day, and you notice some of the similarities of how God does things through church history, one of the things to me that's always stuck out, of course, we always find certain things in play, right? We always find, we always see that, Prayer is somehow connected to it. God's, God does nothing in earth but through prayer. We always see that how God always begins to... Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. He always begins a, a movement of purity and repentance in his house first. We always see that it's connected to God pouring out signs and wonders and the gospel going forth. We know those things. But some of the things that are unique, unique to how God works, but we see it all the way across is how God finds most revivals in, 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 in revival history are, are uh, shouldered, so to speak, by the young and by the poor. Study, church, study revival history throughout church history. It's mostly young people that shoulder it. And when you find the types of people in society that God visits in powerful ways and transforms, it's mostly the disenfranchised. Now. I will say some things today, but let me just give this, uh, what's the word called again? Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yes. I'm not saying what I'm not saying. I'm only saying what I'm saying. So when I begin to talk about the poor, that does not mean that I believe that we should be poor. That does not mean that I believe that you're more spiritual if you're poor or that you're less spiritual if you're not poor. So I'm not saying what I'm not saying. (laughs) I'm only saying what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it happens often. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. In in, in Matthew, in Luke's gospel, he just says, blessed are the poor, period. He's talking about the poor naturally. Jesus lays the, the foundational stone Of the house upon which the kingdom is built with that statement. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's something vitally important about recognizing the fact that we are created as a people that depend upon another. We are created. Our very biomechanics as human beings depends upon bread and water and oxygen, right? Fundamentally, you need food, you need drink. You need air. You need other things as well. You need sleep. You take nobody who is currently alive ever says, you know what? I think I'm, I'm kind of bored of this whole having to drink liquids thing. I'm over the having to eat food thing. I think I'm going to give up for a couple of years on having to sleep. I'm going to try something different. All of us recognize that in order to be human... We're created in such a way that we have to depend upon things to be what we are. Jesus says the kingdom of God is no different. Happy are they, fortunate are they, that recognize that we were created to depend and lean into God for everything. That's the way that God builds his house. It's the way God builds his house. We see all throughout the scriptures, we see David and his mighty men. In the cave of Adullam. Who who comes to David? Jesus is our greater David. Who come to David before he even becomes king? The broken, the disenfranchised, the outcasts of society. Who does Jesus select to be his disciples to later on send out as, as his apostles? Men who were living In a country that was underneath the lordship of a dictator state that's who not the most educated of society they didn't they didn't necessarily have they weren't the most backed networked relationship resourced people these are the people that Jesus chooses these are the people Jesus chooses Luke chapter 4 Luke chapter 4. We're going to look through several verses today, but we're going to go quick. We're not going to stay at one very long. This is the way Jesus begins his public ministry. Jesus overcomes the devil's temptations in the wilderness. He comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. He opens the scroll to Isaiah. and he, From Isaiah 61... And he gives his inaugural kingdom address. And this is what he says in verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus was a man on mission. In his earthly life, he was sent to those of the house of Israel. After Jesus gives his life, For the sins of the world is raised from the dead and ascends to heaven. Jesus sends out his apostles into all the rest of the world. His mission on the earth was to the house of Israel. But the specific focus within that setting was the poor. It was the poor. God dwells amongst the broken. He dwells amongst the broken. Luke chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. Luke chapter 5. Jesus' ministry with his disciples begins and ends with them on a boat fishing for fish. They can't find fish. Jesus says "They're they're out all night trying to catch fish. Jesus says cast out your nets on the other side. They cast their nets. So many fish they can't even pull them into the boat. The boat starts to sink. Other boats have to come and help them. Jesus says, from now on, you will be fishing for men. Jesus is raised from the dead. same thing happens. Peter and the disciples are in the water, out in the lake. They're fishing. Jesus is on the shore. He's actually preparing fish for them. He has a conversation with them from a distance. What are you guys doing out there? We're fishing. Caught anything? No, we haven't caught anything. Casting us on the other side. They cast nets on the other side, same thing. Peter immediately recognizes, that's the Lord. He jumps into the water and goes to the shore. Jesus dwells his the power of his kingdom dwells in the setting of the canvas upon which he can paint the beauty of his son. Paul says, why do you think God went why do you think God chose to reveal the power of the gospel? That he preached amongst those in society that were the least likely to impress. This is the way of Jesus. In the Bible, this is the way of Jesus all throughout church history. And this will come to an apex before his return. Luke chapter 12 and 19 Luke 12 33 and I'm sorry Luke 12 33 and Matthew 19 21 if you want to write it down. Jesus says to those that come after him he says sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have reward in heaven. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 10 Paul is defending his apostleship and he says That when God so powerfully revealed Jesus to him, he did not immediately go to Jerusalem. He went off to Arabia. God continued to download the revelation of the new covenant to him. Then he went back and then eventually went to Jerusalem. And when he did go to Jerusalem, he went to submit his ministry to the apostles, to the original apostles, to make sure he was not running in vain. Listen, let me submit to you the gospel that I'm preaching. Let me submit to you what God is doing in the midst of Gentiles. Am I missing anything at all? It says they gave him the right hand of fellowship. They recognize God is doing with Paul at least as much as he did with us. This is the work of Jesus. He says, they, th- they told me, they added just one thing. They said, we have nothing to say to you. We have nothing to say to you as if you need some kind of a special permission for us to give to you. You're an apostle by, by, by the authorization of Jesus Christ. The same way he sent us, he met you on the road to, uh, on, on your way to Damascus. He says, just one, just one, just one thing. When you go... And you establish the kingdom, don't forget the poor. That's that's the only thing. Don't forget the type of canvases that God reveals his son upon. When you're going out on mission, don't forget. It's interesting, even as our brother Mikhail was sharing to open up the service. Th- that beautiful passage where Mary breaks the jar of alabaster to anoint Jesus. It's so marking and defining. What a marking and defining moment. Jesus says everywhere the gospel is preached, this story will be attached to it so that people will know the goal of salvation. The goal of salvation is connected to living a life like hers. But the interesting part is that sometimes when we read that passage, we, we see the greed of Judas. Where he says, couldn't have this been sold for 300 denarii? And uh, by the way, does anybody know how much that is? That's equivalent to like fifty thousand. It's fifty to sixty thousand dollars modern day. That's that's a lot of perfume. <laughs> she brought the good stuff from the airport in in, in uh, Dubai. And so, uh, but the interesting thing is, sure there was greed in his heart, but when he says, "Couldn't we have sold this and given it to the poor?" He didn't just make that up. This was the custom of Jesus. It was his custom. He's in essence saying, isn't, wouldn't you rather have this? I mean, he had a greedy, a greedy reason. He wanted to steal it for himself. But the whole point is that this, this was the way of Jesus. James chapter 2, verse 5. Has not God chosen the poor amongst you to be rich in faith? Matthew 25, verse 31 through 40. Jesus says that on that day... On that day, we will. Uh, he will separate. The verse thirty-one. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, he will separate as 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 a man separates sheep's from goat goats, and he will say. He will say to the sheep. Verse thirty-five. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. The righteous will say to him, Lord, we never saw you like that. He will say to them, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. Every example he gives is connected to the fact that they chose to participate and partner with the Holy Spirit in seeing the revelation of the beauty of Jesus in the earth in the midst of the most broken outcasts of society. You chose to not overlook the ones that I came for. You chose to not overlook the ones that I chose to reveal my glory in the midst of. Because of that, you're with me forever. Then he'll go to the goats and he'll say to them, when I was hungry you never fed me when I was naked you never clothed me when I was in prison you never visited me on and on Lord when did we see you like that whatever you did not do to those you did not do to me now we we don't want to read this passage and assume that this is like the the uh, this is the way that you get born again Jesus is not saying this group is not born again because they didn't care for the poor we get born again by faith in the blood of Jesus But faith in the blood of Jesus transforms us in such a way that it puts on display the power of who he is in a particular kind of expression and setting. Amen. Luke 14. I read this last year and it changed my life. I read this last year and it changed my life. And since it has, we've tried to adjust our ministry in some ways to live in light of this in a more intentional kind of a way. Jesus tells a parable, and he says, a man is giving a big dinner, and he invites many. At the dinner, he sent his slaves slaves to say to those who had been invited, come, everything is ready now. They all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land. I need to go out and look after it. Please consider me excused. Another says to him, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I need to go try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one says to him, I married a wife for the reason I cannot come. Servant comes back and he reports this to the master, the head of the household becomes angry, says to the servants, go out at once into the streets, the lanes of the city, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Meaning everybody that would have been passed over by everybody else, those are the ones that I want at the wedding feast. The servant says, Master, what you have been commanded has been done. Still there is room. The master says to the servant, go out into the highways and the byways along the hedges. Compel them to come in so so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited at first shall taste of my dinner. Jesus dwells. The power of the gospel is a dynamite waiting to be lit In the settings that often we as humans with human wisdom would walk right by. This is the Moravian movement. This is the Jesus people movement. When when the hippies and and the outcasts of society in the 1960s and 70s got so powerfully touched by God. That today any leader. God-fearing leader above 55 years old, 95% of them, 60 years old, ask them when they got born again. Most of them, they'll tell you, we got born again during the Jesus People Movement. This is church history around the world. This is what God is doing in missions around the world. And I believe, to submit to this house, that God, in a unique way, is going to anoint this house to, in the days, months, and years to come, See the power of the Holy Spirit poured out just like the Moravians did amongst the poor and the disenfranchised and the outcasts of this city and of this state and of this nation and of the nations. Psalm 127. And we'll finish, well, one more verse after that. Psalm 127. Because we said to begin with, the poor and children. And most children don't have a lot of money. (laughs) Again, remember, not to be funny, I'm not saying what I'm not saying. So please, please hear me on that. Zinzendorf was, was a resourceful man. because he was a resourceful man, that was one of the key ways that they were able to be and do what they were called to be and do. But the point is that the talk, they, the, the, where they placed targets to see the beauty and the power of the kingdom advanced and revealed, it was amongst the same types of settings that Jesus and the apostles highlighted, the poor and the broken. The sick, even as Jesus says in Matthew 25, the ones that are not visited. Let's talk, let's talk in more common, let's talk in, 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 in more modern language today. The orphan. The single mother, the, uh, the, the, the young woman who's been abused and, 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 and doesn't have family, the, the, the young man who just got off drugs and, and has burned so many bridges, nobody wants to take him back. The person who just got born again from some kind of a wild lifestyle, the person who has nothing whatsoever to add to you, naturally. Naturally. <laughs> Which forces you to give your life to see Jesus revealed to them, expecting nothing back from them. It it puts you in a place where the way, the only way you can respond is either ignore them or have to actually go all in. It's a it's a beautiful way the Lord traps us. <laughs> right? Psalm 127. Again. The, whether it's the Moravian revival or church history in general, almost every revival is primarily shouldered by young people and the, and the disenfranchised of society. So let, let's look at this. Usually when we, when we read Psalm 127, I'm not saying we here, but in general in churches, it's, it's usually either we read the first part and we disconnect it from the second part, so unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers who, who seek to build the build it in vain. Or we talk about the second part, which is, "Behold, children are gift from the Lord." When we dedicate our kids, disconnected from the first part, but it's actually one complete thought. It says here, "Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it." First, first things first. God wants a house. First things first. God wants a house. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. Second thing is that partnering with him in his ways is the way by which he chooses to build it. None of us have, I know it's, I know it's tempting, I know it's tempting. And I know we've all had conversations with people like this. And at some point in our lives, I'm willing to bet, we were on the other side of the conversation. Where either we thought that we had some kind of a super unique idea that nobody's ever thought of. Or if you're a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser, you've had those conversations with younger people like, listen, I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me. Nobody's ever thought of this. If we give sandwiches to people in parks, revival will come. If we can find sick people and get the breakthrough in the area of healing, everything's going to change. You're like, oh, that's it. why did you, how did you, I don't know, I was just praying and it came to me, right? None of us have some kind of an original idea that is outside of the scope of God. Meaning, in vain do we spin our wheels if we choose not to recognize we need to yield into him and partner with him. And when we're partnering with him, we recognize that there's a goal connected with his desire. The goal connected to his desire is a house for himself. That's the goal. If we don't even know he has a desire, we don't even know what the purpose of... We don't know why we're doing what we're doing in the first place. But when we know him and we know that he has a desire, when Jesus says in John, Father, I desire... That they would be with me where I am. And then he says, he's going to build a house. A house that has many, many rooms. Then we find out later on in Peter's writings, and we find out in the book of Revelation. Oh, wait, you're the house. You're the house. He builds a house for us. We get to dwell in him and with him forever. He builds a house for himself. We are the house. If we don't recognize he has a desire, we could be splintered and fractured doing a thousand different things with unique revelations God has shown us in prayer. The whole time bypassing God's one great desire to reveal the beauty of his son and to build a house for his name. So first things first, God wants to build a house. Second thing is that the way he does it is by Us partnering with him towards this end. The watchmen keep awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and retire late to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives his beloved, or he even gives to his beloved, sleep. It's only through partnership with him. Now, look at this it says that the Lord builds the house. And then after it talks about the house, it says the the Lord guards the city. The Lord builds the house. The Lord guards the city. God wants to touch the cities of the world. God wants an expression of his heavenly city mirrored in the midst of a people on earth. The way God transforms cities is by God transforming families. When families are transformed, cities follow. Even where we're at in the Middle East, 99.87, whatever it is, percent of Iraq are of Muslim background, non-Christian background. You look at things naturally and it's like, it it can become so overwhelming. you know it only takes one generation to change the face of a city, of of, of a nation? One generation. The older folks are going to pass away. If, if God pours out his spirit and saves the young people, not only the young people, but if he saves the young people, the face of a nation is transformed. Houses precede cities, precede nations. When, when Jesus is walking on the earth, children, the, the Sunday school is trying to run up to him. And the apostles, because they're dignified. They're dignified people. They're like, no, 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 no. Jesus doesn't have time for the little ones. (laughs) All right? No, 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 no. Uh, Please bring uh, Nicodemus from the back. Nicodemus. And the Greeks. Remember when the Greeks wanted to see Jesus? His disciples were like, the Greeks want to see you. Expecting Jesus to be like, really? How did they find out? They heard about me too? (laughs) Jesus is like, unless the sea falls into the ground and die, bears no fruit. They're like, the, the Greeks are here to see you. The message has spread. It is, it's gotten to... The children want to come and see Jesus. The, the apostles want to send him away. Do you know why? Not because they hate children. Do you know why? Because children in that time in history are not important. Do you know why they're not important? Because they can't add anything to you. They're not going to give you any money. They're not going to give you any status. They can't protect you. You're not going to ask them for advice, right? When's the last time you, actually, you asked your four-year-old? You're like, you know what? I'm thinking about investing. Should I go tech or should I go real estate? <laughs> I got this 25000 set aside. You're not asking them for their advice. You're not ask, nobody's asking for their input. They can't vote. Right, so this that's why, not because they had something against kids, because the the apostles, the the disciples are thinking, no, no, the gospel has to penetrate the most, the, the, the influencers of society. The influencers have to get impacted. The connected people have to get impacted. They have to get impacted. Why does James say, listen, if you have somebody who's rich and you call them, let them sit in the front, but then the other guy doesn't have a seat. You don't understand the gospel. You don't understand the way God has placed his beauty and his power in the earth. That's why they sent the children away. Jesus says, no, no, no. It's for these and for those like these that the kingdom of God is reserved. The kingdom of God is for these. He's not saying we should be childish. He's saying we should be childlike. But one of the things that we often overlook when we look at that passage and we talk about being childlike We usually, you know, we we usually like to to bring up the point, and it is a good point, about how children are quick to believe, quick to trust, quick to love, quick to respond. Absolutely. All those things are true. But we overlook the fact that Jesus is highlighting the fact that they were the overlooked of society. Nobody's talking to them. The adults don't think that they're important. You know, again, all the things that I mentioned before. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Look what he says. After he talks about building the house which leads to the transformation of the city. He says in verse 3, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. What do we say at the beginning? It's not, a, it's not an arm wrestling match between Jesus and Satan. God is going to shoot a young generation straight into the heart of the devil before he returns. It says in Psalms chapter 8, you have established praise through the mouth of babes to shut your adversaries to shut the mouth of your adversaries. You destroy your enemies through the weakest ones. This has always been God's this has always been God's way. And it's not going to change. It's always been God's way. So if we choose to partner with him in his ways, We can participate with him in the establishing of his house in our generation. That will be made up not only, but a large part by young people and the poor, rejected, marginalized of society. Those two groups. Says how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Brother Dow believes that passage. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. Last, last passage, Isaiah 66, and then we'll, we'll pray. Verse 1, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, where then is a house that you can build for me? Where is the place where I may rest? My hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look. So he says, listen, I own everything. Where could you build me a house? He's not saying he doesn't want a house. He's saying with the wisdom of man... You can't build me the kind of house that I want. I will not display my glory, my power. I will not come and dwell fully as I am in the midst of a people that that, that think the way the world thinks, but stamp the name Jesus on it. And that's easy to do with good intentions. He says, but to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit. There goes that poor in spirit terminology. That's the same exact thing Jesus is saying when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, this is what he's talking about. The humble and contrite of spirit that trembles of my word. Jesus, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, like I recognize I need bread and water and I need breath in my lungs. God, I need you. I need you. We need this in our own spirits. We need this in our own spirits and we need to walk in the midst of the fields and the vineyards in which Jesus dwells. The the fields and the vineyards that are very naturally tempting to us to pass up and bypass for others. Those are the ones Jesus is dwelling in the midst of. He's sitting in the dirt in the midst of the people there. And if we will go there and ask him to show us his beauty in the midst of of the marred faces of the broken ones that he has sent his son to die for. We will experience something in our generation that he desires to accomplish. He wants to build his house in the midst of us. Amen. Amen. So maybe we can just stand and maybe we could break up into groups and pray today and, and end up that way or close that way unless there's anything else. Brother Mike wants to add to it. But maybe we could just pray, Lord, give us a compass for what you're doing in our generation. Lord, reveal to us the beauty and the power and the purpose of the gospel. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this house and, and, and building a house for your name here. If so you guys want to get in groups of like three or four, People next to you. Thank you, Lord, that you're building a house for your name. Thank you, Lord, that transformed families become transformed cities. Thank you, Lord, my God, people that you will add to this body are people that need families. The people that you will add to this house are people that need families. Are people that need fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. Are people that need to be restored and people that need to be healed. Thank you, Lord my God, that you are establishing family here. Let's just pray even right now. Lord, continue, Lord my God, to strengthen the individual families in this house. Lord, give us strong marriages. Give us healthy husbands and fathers spiritually, healthy wives and mothers spiritually, children. Lord, make us a house in which your glory dwells, Lord my God. Lord, that just as those refugees came to Hernhut, that you will send the broken, Lord my God, even of this city to this house. And that what man... Their nat- with their natural eye would overlook will become a force a people filled with the Holy Spirit a people that will volunteer freely in the day of your power thank you Lord my God that it will be the ones that are least likely to fit the bill the ones that will volunteer freely in the day of your power Lord anoint Lord my God this house Lord in Jesus name anoint this house in Jesus name just pray even right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for young people, Lord, in this house. Young people are added to this house. Thank you, Lord, my God, for the poor and the broken of society all around us Lord my God around our neighbors the ones that we run into on a day-to-day basis Lord we see Lord that it's upon the canvas of the broken and the poor that you always choose to review your son Lord we pray for a Jesus people movement in a fresh way even going into 2024 Even as you're praying, I want to encourage you to just just pray. Just pray. Connect your heart with the Lord. You know, when it comes to serving Jesus, when it comes to serving Jesus, whether that's vacuuming the floor, whether that's helping out on Sunday school, whether that's sharing the gospel, no matter what it is, there's this built in thing within us that's always seeking to save our life. And, And we find our joy or self-fulfillment from what we get back in return. We're delivered from all of that to receive everything from him when we give without looking for anything back in return. The gift is the ability to give. That's the reward. The reward is being able to go all in. That's the reward. When we understand that, we find happiness. Jesus says, Paul quotes Jesus to the Corinthians when he says, Did not even our Lord say it is more blessed to give than to receive? And I know that we usually attach that to an offering message, but Jesus is talking about it as a way of life. And that word blessed there means truly happy. That's what it means. It doesn't mean fortunate. It means truly happy. The people that walk in heaven's joy are the people who realize heaven's joy is found by walking the way of Jesus and giving your life away completely. So even this year, even even as you're praying, even as we close off this year, let's make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Lord, I don't want to live my life with reservations. Lord, I don't want to build my house and invite you into it. Lord, we want to partner with you. Your desire is being fulfilled. And we want to find the secret to true happiness. We don't want to hold back our lives in reservation. Lord, help us to give our lives away. And what more beautiful way to do that, but to give our lives in such a way to those that can't do anything. They can't do anything for us. Thank you, Jesus.